Hey everybody and welcome to the Hack My Homestead podcast. This is Sean Mills and today is Wednesday, October 5th, I believe, 2023. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the fall and winter projects we've got scheduled for the homestead and uh, just kind of what I'm going to be up to over the next, call it five months, uh, as we're getting ready for next spring. Um, we did not get back to Tennessee. Um, I won't say we didn't get back early enough to get a garden going, but we didn't get a garden going. (laughs) And so, uh, so we don't have a fall harvest that we're going to be working on, uh, other than fall harvest of, you know, things like squirrel, rabbit, and deer. And so, that kind of frees up some time to focus on some of the other projects that we need to get done so that we can be ready for the spring uh, planting season because we do intend to be pretty gangbusters uh, here in the spring coming up. So so we've got, I figure, about five months from the day that I'm recording this to have those preparations complete and ready to go. And it's kind of crazy when you say that because it's like, you know, I'm sitting here at the beginning of October and I'm like, okay, we've got Thanksgiving coming up and we've got Christmas and New Year's and, uh, you know, and then we've got January, which is, you know, dark and short days and blah, 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 blah. Right. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of, of activity happening. January is probably my least favorite month. Um, you know, late January, early February is when we typically try to plan a family trip to go out somewhere and go skiing. Um, cause I really do enjoy that. I love the mountains, you know, but, uh, where we are in Tennessee, we're not in the mountainous region and, you know, we just get these short days and they're kind of gray for the most part and it's cold uh, and it's, you know, hunting season, deer hunting season ends after the first week of January. And, you know, you just, there's just not a whole lot going on. And so, um, so I'm actually kind of excited to have several projects to work on, um, you know, to, to kind of bust through that monotony a little bit. Cause I don't think we're going to be able to afford to take a skiing trip this year. We, you know, obviously I exited my career, uh, here in June. And so I'm really focusing on the hack my homestead stuff. And, um, you know, we just, there, there's, when you exit a senior vice president level position and convert to self-employed, uh, your financial position changes quite a bit. And so you got to make decisions with that in mind. So, Here's some of the stuff we're going to be working on. So we do have a bunch of IBC totes. So I will be getting all of the aquaponics systems ready to go. And I mean, that's literally going to be cutting them up and stacking them and plumbing them in the whole nine yards. Getting the sump set up. I've got to get my extended water storage system put into place. So right now we've got about 2000 gallons of water storage. And I would like to increase that by at least a thousand, if not 2000, uh, just depending on how we go about doing that. 
and that's uh, water that we would use, you know, in the house. The other thing that we'll be working on is all of the trees that I cut down to make room for the new solar array need to be bucked and logged and, you know, either sliced up into firewood or, you know, cut into logs and, and kind of put into a storage area to dry so they can be milled later. I am considering buying a sawmill. So I'm thinking about maybe getting a small sawmill and a small uh, skid steer so that I can move some things around. I think if I do that on the property, that will allow me to kind of fast forward the you know the the machinery work that needs to happen on the property as well as I can as part of the hack my homestead business I can actually market that you know in the surrounding areas to go out and do clearing or you know forestry mulching if I got a forestry mulching mulching head and and different things like that so the idea would be if I if I got that device I would attempt to make it pay for itself in about the first 12 months that I, that I owned it. So looking at getting a couple things going and, and, and that's kind of the strategy there. I don't know if I'm pull, pull the trigger on that. You know, you, it's when you look at writing those big old checks, it's, <laughs> it puts a little pause in your, a little hitch in your giddy up as they say. So I'm not sure about that. I've just been toying with the idea of, well, I know I've got a lot of building projects so milling the wood would probably pay for its for you know for the mill and then you know I've got to move a bunch of stuff around and I've got some earthworks that I need to do and I've got some trenching that I need to do and so if I were to have a bobcat or skid steer with you know an auger head and a forestry mulching head and a grapple and a bucket uh, whew, I could do a lot of work. I could do a lot of work. And I think that if I did, you know, if I did move in that direction, of course, that's the other side of it. Like I think, okay, well, if I move in that direction, I could make that those devices pay for themselves. But particularly in the, uh, as we talk about the skid steer, in order to do that, I would have to take off homestead projects where I'm working for someone else in order to do that. So then that tilts the the balance more to, okay, well, in that case, maybe it, maybe it does make more sense to rent because then I don't have that need to, you know, pay to, to, to earn the money to pay for the equipment, I guess is what I'm saying. So I don't know. I'll kick that around. And maybe if I find something with a smoking deal, I'll jump on it and if I don't, then I'll just rent something. I don't know. But, um, you know, going back to the original idea of I still have to get all those trees cut up. I've got a massive uh, brush pile right now that needs to be run through the chipper shredder. I figure I probably have maybe five or six cubic yards of wood chips. Once that's done, we'll see if my conversion is accurate. And I still have about six trees that need to come down. And so the, they'll, they'll need to get the same treatment, cut up, logged, bucked, limbed, 
and mulched. And then, and, and then I, of course, we've got the carport slash uh, solar mount, right? So the elevated solar mount that we'll be able to park under. That's got to be built from scratch. I'm still kicking around a couple different ideas. We had such a hard time getting those posts into the ground for the low mount that I'm really thinking about doing more of a ballasted system where I build gabions, which are just like little uh, fence squares that you fill up with rocks uh, and use that as a counterweight ballast for the, you know, for the solar, for the, for the higher solar mount. The idea there being, you know, I don't want a, a windstorm to come through and, you know, with the placement of this, if a, if a bad storm came through, it would take out the big mount and knock it into the small mount. So we would potentially lose all of our solar output uh, in that case. So I want to do what I can to try to prevent that. Now, we don't get a, a, a bunch of bad winds up in that area. We have, uh, you know, we've never seen right where our place is anything big other than some trees go down. And that's another reason for wanting to get some of the trees up close by the house down is it, it takes that potential risk vector away from the overall layout of the site. So getting those logged up, of course, you know, part of that is I also need firewood for both this year and next year. Uh, I do have some deadwood on the ground that I can prioritize for this year. I normally like about a 50-50 mix between green and, and seasoned wood in the house because while the wood stove heats up and also heats up the green wood that's stacked right next to it, it actually releases humidity into the house, which is good in the winter. And so I think that, um, you know, obviously all of that processing for the benefit of firewood as well is a big deal. And then I want to, I want to kind of go through the forest this winter and, identify potential future timber, you know, value, as well as any fruit trees that I might have that I don't know about, as well as any post trees that I want to, you know, leave and, and let them mature uh, and come back and harvest later, as well as some forestry management in terms of uh, I want to say coppicing, but when I'm saying it, it when, when I think it, I think it's wrong. It's the other one, pollard. I think it's pollarding. Um, either pollarding or coppicing is where you cut it off down at the ground. And, and what happens if you do it the right way and manage it properly is that you'll get, you know, three to five suckers that'll pop up from that stump that from the tree that you pollarded. And you let those grow out for about a year and then you select you know, for half the number that came up and you let those grow for another year and then you select for half again. And the idea is, is you end up with two or three good, vigorous, uh, trees growing out of the stump of the one that you cut down and you let those go for about seven years and then you cut those down. You know, and the idea being is that, you know, after about seven years, they're about as big around as, you know, your forearm you know, between, you know, between a forearm and a Popeye forearm, right? 
So you cut those down, slice them up. Then you don't need to split them per se. You can just load them right into the fire box as is. And then it comes back and you repeat that process. And so if you select an area every year, by the time you get to year seven, you've got your seven year rotation set up. You're going back to year one after you harvest year seven and and on and on and on. And so the idea being is that if you set those few different areas up and manage them properly, then you get a woodlot that works without having to cut big trees down, you know? So, so anyways, I'm excited about that prospect. I'm excited about the prospect of really actively managing the woodlot, even though in Tennessee, we don't burn a ton of wood for heat. You know, I burn on average about a half quart a winter, but I think as I get older, I might burn a little bit more. And as I get older, my desire to actually split becomes less and less. So the idea that I could go out with a small chainsaw and cut these pollarded trees down and process them right there, you know, toss them into a small trailer and then pull them up to the house with the four-wheeler or a side-by-side, you know, I just think that that makes a lot of sense from a long-term woodlot management for firewood standpoint. And, and it allows the big trees to keep on getting bigger uh, and can, to continue to acquire, you know, value as lumber or as furniture, or, you know, live edge planks or whatever the case may be. That was my other thought when I mentioned live edge planks. Uh, my other thought on getting the wood mill is I've seen live edge slabs go for in excess of $2,000. And I think that the, you know, I think there's a lot of value in lumber outside of just having your, you know, local guys show up and cut all your trees down and, and take them off site somewhere. I think there's a lot of value, especially when I have access to a market like Nashville, Uh, I think there's a lot of value in both providing live edge slabs and even turning those live edge slabs into furniture and selling the end product, right? So I can't remember the exact um, math on the deal, but it was like, you know, one pound of, of raw iron ore is worth like 50 bucks or something, right? And then one pound of a steel I-beam is worth whatever, 70 pounds. Uh, and then a pound of thimbles is worth, I don't know, $1,000. And a pound of needles is worth $10,000. I don't know. I just made all of those numbers up. But the idea is that the further down the value-add chain you operate, the more opportunity there is to you know, be pretty profitable. And we see this in food production, you know, um, cattle farmers don't hardly make anything, but McDonald's takes that beef and turns it into something that turns a pretty good profit at the volumes that they do. So, uh, let's see what other projects that we've got going on. So we're going to build the vermicomposting, um, 
bathroom facility. And so what that's going to look like is two bathrooms or two rather commodes that it will be flushable for most of the year probably. All right, so we'll we'll see if we can run them through the winter. Uh, but they'll have rainwater collection, uh, 110 gallons of water storage inside that's gravity fed into the back tanks of the flush toilets, and then those flush toilets flush down into the vermicomposting system within the IBCs, and then the outflow from there goes into a green filter that we will almost definitely grow things like accumic dyna- uh, dynamic accumulators in uh, to be added later to things like compost teas and uh, biochar inoculation and stuff like that. And then there will also be a shower in that system and that shower will dump the gray water right into we're going to have a dedicated kind of gray water swale it's not going to be dedicated to just gray water but we'll have gray water from the house going into a couple reed beds and then flowing into that swale and that same swale on the other end uh, is going to be where the outdoor i'm calling it outdoor i guess it's kind of indoor outdoor shower so, oh, excuse me. So it will be fully enclosed, but one side, or, or we'll call it the front, and the roof will both be clear uh, Lexan panels. Uh, with the idea being that it kind of it's going to kind of feel like you're showering uh, in the woods. And uh, one of the bathrooms will also be open on the front and top, so it'll be like you're pooping into the woods. So. Uh, if we get a lot of people that come by and visit and use those facilities and don't like it, or if we don't like it, uh, obviously we can always change that out by either like hanging a shower curtain inside the clear plastic or even painting the clear plastic or replacing it with metal. Like there's a ton of options, but I really like the idea of the natural shower in the woods type of thing. And I'm going to extend that to one of the bathrooms as well. And the other bathroom will be kind of like a standard, um, standard bathroom with, uh, a sink and a toilet. And that's also where the water storage will be. So that room will actually be insulated as well. So yeah, those are the thoughts on that. Uh, we'll probably will almost definitely be moving the current shower uh, or the current outdoor shower, um, because I'm going to redo the porch on that whole side of the house. And so I'll probably end up relocating that shower to the back of the house. And that might also feed into the, uh, gray water reed beds, which again, will dump into gray water swale at the top. Uh, I think the other big project for the winter, for the, well, not even for the winter, I hope we're done by winter for the fall, is going to be getting Ashley Schooley uh, buttoned up. So, you know, all the rough carpentry's done, you know, we've got, we've got, a lot of the work is done. A lot of the plumbing's done, a lot, I think all of the electrical is done. And we just need to go through and like secure countertops and build some cabinet doors and we need to get her her actual water supply uh, system up and going 
because uh, again the plumbing is there the hot water heater is there but there's no supply water at this point and kind of what dovetailing into that is we've got a structure on the property that we call the shed with the bed uh, and it's just one of those kind of Amish built on skids structures I think it's like 8 by 35 with like a 4 foot porch on the front of it and so you know, I think we're going to have like a full-on solar system that's going to tie into that building for guest use when they come. Um, but for most of the year, there'll be an extension cord running from that out to Ashley's bus. So she can tap into that extra battery power and solar power in addition to her personal battery and rooftop solar that she's going to have. So getting the bus done, big priority. You know, Ashley put it on hiatus when uh you know soccer season was really getting into full swing in alabama and then then we moved and then well let's see it was soccer and then she graduated she was working she had all the senior parties and everything to go to then we moved uh and then there's been all of the issues with that i am currently on my way driving back up to alabama from florida because uh, my mom had been put into the hospital for some, for some pretty serious problems. As a matter of fact, when I spoke to the, to the critical care uh, doctor a couple days ago, he, in a no uncertain terms, said I should probably get on the road and head down there and, 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 and maybe even start calling and making funeral arrangements on the way. Uh, that was my expectation when I left the house. And then I got down and it was like, oh no, all of our numbers are better. And, you know, we might be able to take the ventilator out tomorrow. We put that in because her blood oxygen level was too low. And, you know, she's still got the kidney problems and the infections and, and the blood and potential bone that we're dealing with. But those are separate problems. The, the, the you know, immediate acute problems are the pneumonia and stuff like that. So in any case, Lots of problems with there, and uh, I'm on my way back to the Alabama house right now to grab a couple hours of sleep and then load the Jeep and uh, one of our trailers up to, to kind of pull some stuff back. And then, you know, we've got like two weeks to close. So really, really looking forward to having that segment of our life done but but yeah we really need to get on getting Ashley's bus completed as well as you know I still have the tool room slash pole barn slash power shed slash studio uh you know moving things around and organizing things and stuff like that that project is ongoing bathroom remodel is still not done kitchen remodel is still not done we have not started any work upstairs yet and so, yeah, no, it's going to be a really, really busy um, winter and fall. And I'm excited about that. I will also say, oh, you know what? I should mention Don got a job at a vet. So, um, so Don, my wife and I have known each other since I was 15 and she was 14. We were in high school. Now, we didn't actually start dating until after high school, uh, but ran in the same friend group. Uh, hang out, hung out quite a bit, uh, did not date in high school primarily because my best friend in high school had a crush on her 
And so, you know, I was not going to break the golden rule of brohood, which is date your buddy's crush. Um, but we just still hung out a lot, you know, uh, went camping and rafting and, you know, did the other things that high school kids did in the 2000s together. Um, but when she moved in with me in 03, she actually got a job at a veterinary clinic. It was kind of like her first real, I guess you'd say adult job. Like she had been bouncing around, you know, doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. She worked at a salon for a little while, uh, worked at the mall for a little while, moved down to Florida for a little while. Um, you know, she was just kind of figuring out what she wanted to do. And then she came back and this job opened up at this uh, veterinary clinic right by our, our neighborhood. And so she got that and got into that and really, really loved it. And so then when we moved to Nashville, she went to work for another animal hospital, um, did that for about five years. And then we moved out to Memphis. Uh, she went to work for another hospital and that one she really enjoyed because it was the exotic pet, um, vet clinic in, in Memphis, in the Memphis area, at least. So they had, you know, a big Galapagos turtle out front and they had snakes and they saw monkeys and parrots and all kinds of wild and crazy stuff. Um, but when our older daughter was getting ready to go into kindergarten, uh, she actually stopped working and that situation kind of uh, stayed until, well, until today, actually. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, she stayed home and took care of the kids, homeschooled them, uh, took care of the house, was a homemaker. Uh, we, you know, we were blessed in that I had enough income so that we could be a single income family. And, uh, you know, she stayed home, took care of the kids. Well, one of the kids is graduated and the other one is 16 and, and in high school, in public school, high school. Uh, and so it's, you know, we're kind of in this place where Dawn was kind of looking for, you know, what she wanted to do. And the other thing is, is that, you know, not everyone believes that social security is going to be solvent by the time I retire and I'm 42 and, or no, I'm 41. And, uh, but at the same time, I think that, you know, it, it, working is a good thing, whether you're working for yourself or for someone else. And, you know, if you are expecting to get any Social Security help when you retire, well, you have to have paid something in. That's how the system works. And so the other piece of this, so she's getting to work in an industry that she enjoys. You know, it's just kind of crazy when I think about it that, we got together 20, you know, 20 plus years ago and she got this job at a veterinary clinic just on a whim because it was close. Um, and then now, you know, 20 years later, we've moved back to Linden and her only interview that she went to, um, she filled out a couple different applications, but the only, only people that called her for an interview, um, you know, she showed up and talked to him for a little while and they're like, okay, well, can you start tomorrow? So, um, so I think that's really cool. Proud of her that she, uh, was able to find something that she likes, you know, you know, when you're working and you have to go get a job, it's like, okay, well, 
it would be cool if I could get a job doing something I actually like doing rather than just kind of taking what's available in a small town while I look for maybe something that's a, um, that's a, a full-time, you know, you do the, you do the, you do the thing that's expedient while you look for the thing that you really want to do. And, um, she, she was persistent in, in trying to find something with a veterinary clinic and it paid off for her. So, uh, I'm glad for that. Um, let's see what, I guess that's all that's really going on this winter. Um, yeah, I'll be obviously filling you guys in. Oh, (laughs) we, we are going to be putting in, in addition to the aquaponics beds, we are going to be putting in several, uh, raised beds as well. A couple different designs, uh, but we're going to be getting those in. And so this winter we'll be getting those kind of, you know, identifying where they're going to go, getting them built, getting them filled up with soil, other soil amendments, um, hopefully tossing some composting worms in there along with some uh, old bird feed and stuff like that. And then covering those up so that they're ready to go in the spring. Um, I do in, in, intend to build a significant or to grow a significant amount of leafy greens uh, in the early part of next year for salads and things like that. So, well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, guys. If y'all have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmyhomestead.com, and we'll talk to you next time.